0: This episode is brought to you by Graybar. Graybar is a trusted and leading North American distributor of electrical, communications, data networking, and industrial products that supports projects of any industry. Construction, hospitals, industrial plants, schooling, and more. (laughs) Yep, Graybar does that. Graybar operates with one clear mission—to serve as the vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. But here's what makes them different from the competition. Being able to effectively navigate supply chains to get products on-site and on-time is crucial these days— And Graybar's Nationwide Logistics Network, with over 290 locations across the country, assists owners and professionals build and maintain the operations in their electrical, communications, and industrial world by providing them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. (laughs) Yep, Graybar does that. To view more information on their services, head to graybar.com. That's G-R-A-Y-B-A-R dot Yep, Graybar does that. This episode is brought to you by Modern Mammals at modernmammals.com, where you get 10% off when you use the code GOLFSMARTER. Now, if you were to ask me what my greatest asset was, you may be surprised that I wouldn't take more than a blink of an eye to tell you that it was my hair. Every barber I've had in my life raves about my hair, and even today, I get jealous comments because I still have a full head of healthy hair. Well, that's why I'm so happy that we have Modern Mammals showing their support for the Golf Smarter community. Modern Mammals' goal is to keep your hair and head natural. That means they don't distort your pH balance and natural oils like normal shampoos would. And unlike shampoos, the products from modern mammals don't have harsh detergents that suds up and dry out your hair and head. And unlike conditioners, they don't leave your hair limp and frizzy. Instead, they lightly clean your hair and scalp, cleansing hair while protecting its strength and texture. And their products are designed to make your hair feel thicker. So go to modernmammals.com and use the code GolfSmarter. That's one word, golf smarter for 10% off. That's modernmammals.com and use that GolfSmarter checkout code for 10% so they know that we sent you. And there's a link in our show notes to go directly to the Golf Smarter landing page, modernmammals.com. For members only. Golf Smarter number 433, published on April 22, 2014. SmarterPodcasts.com. Delivering sound advice. Every Shot Counts, part two on Golf Metrics with Mark Brody. This is Golf Smarter. Welcome back to Golf Smarter, Mark.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me, Fred. Thank you again.
0: So now that we've kind of gotten an overview of strokes gained putting, strokes gained, how the um, golf metrics kind of work, but you've got to look at the book to get a full explanation for yourself, um, I want to figure out how we can make this work for us. And, um, you know, yes, there's tons of statistics from the tour, and yes, it's fun to watch and, and see how they're using it, but on a Saturday for ourselves that doesn't help much, right? Because we really cannot compare ourselves to the pros.
1: That's right. You can use the same idea to compare yourself to a scratch golfer, or if your goal is to get from 90 to 80, you can compare yourself to an 80 golfer. And this this way of thinking, the strokes gained approach to measuring golf will will show where you're gaining or losing strokes to to any player. So if your goal is to drop ten strokes, it will tell you um where you're losing ten strokes to uh to your competitor or to your goal.
0: how has this impacted this information, how's this impacted your game?
1: Well, one of the things that, you know, I thought I'm I'm a thoughtful guy and I'm doing all this analysis. It should be obvious to me. And it and it wasn't. So I will keep track of all my shots and uh, enter it into this golf metrics program and, and I'll get reports out and, you know, I'd play, you know, two or three rounds and I'll remember some good shots and try and forget some bad shots. But at the end, when I get a report, it says, I'm two shots worse this month than last month in my short game. And I go, really? I thought I was paying attention. But when you have a report staring you in the face where you're messing up, I say, okay, I've got to go to the short game area and practice. Or if it's putting, or if it's my iron shots, it will tell me. And it's just hard to ignore when you have the uh, the facts in front of your face. And so I've gone out and you know one you know one week I'll work on my short game because it needs it. The next week or two weeks after that I'll work on my putting. And so it really does uh, to help to know where your your individual strengths and weaknesses are because it's hard to remember. It's hard to remember all the shots that you that you hit and and they all matter. They they all add up and sometimes a couple of shots that you forgot about can really impact your score.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Um how do we how are we able to keep track what's the method you use to keep track of this information so that you can analyze it later? What's the best how would you advise us to do that?
1: Well, one of the things that you can do is just Say you know, look at look at the average golfer and where do they gain or lose lose strokes? So, if for instance you want to work on your putting and you're trying to decide, should I work on my short putts or should I work on my medium length putts or should I work on my long putts? Of course you should work on everything, but what which do you think is the most critical putt distance? If you had to pick a particular foot, four feet, eight feet, twelve feet, twenty five feet, where? Where do you think the average golfer loses more strokes to uh, a scratch golfer? I read the book i
0: I would say that it's the five to ten foot range
1: five to ten feet, yeah, so for amateur golfers, that's pretty close for amateur golfers it's four feet okay there's nothing There's nothing magical about four feet if you want to say three to five feet, three to six or seven or eight feet. But what was surprising to me is how short the putts were that were the most critical or the ones that most separated average golfers from scratch golfers. And there's two reasons for that. One is um, pretty simple, which is uh, you have more four-footers than you have ten-footers. And the other is that there's a skill difference between good putters and poor putters in the four-foot range. So you may have a lot more one-footers, but if everybody sinks their one-footers, it doesn't matter. But not everybody sinks all their four-footers. And so it has these two characteristics. There's a lot of them, and there's a lot to be gained from becoming better at them.
0: Yeah, so- and really, how many, how many opportunities do we have to make one-footers? Because most of the time, you get one foot inside, and people go, you're good. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't even know I have a friend that I do. I won't I won't let him pick it up. And he's like, come on, I'd let you pick. I said, yeah, but you may miss it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 the it's the three, four and five footers that you that you pick up that can really uh, give you a warped uh, impression of what uh, what your score really is. So, you know, you're playing in a tournament. You're not used to playing in a tournament in a club championship or. Uh, weekend match, and all of a sudden people are taking 10s on a hole because they can't pick up after a double bogey or they can't pick up when they've got five feet left.
0: Right, right. Um, And and I'll tell you, one of the things that I walked away from this book that I think was very helpful for me is that I've noticed that if I'm having a poor day of putting, if I have multiple three putts in a round, that will affect every shot that I take. It'll and affect my attitude for the whole... I'll just beat myself up. I may be hitting fairways uh, and, and then greens in regulation, um, stroking the ball well, but my putting game, that will impact how I feel during the day.
1: So I'd say a couple of things. One is that um, it's also true probably if you hit a drive out of bounds, that, that's going to affect your attitude. <laughs> So it's not just putting, but one way to look at it that I find helps me a little bit is if I miss an eight foot putt, the first reaction is I lost a stroke. It was a birdie putt. I really wanted to get that birdie and I missed it. But when you miss an eight footer, you're not losing a stroke. You're only losing about a half a stroke because nobody sinks all of their eight footers and the pros only sink about half of their eight footers. Mm. So in fact, and, and, of course, amateur golfers sink, sink less than that. So if you miss an eight footer, you're only giving up a fraction of a stroke and you should think not about, Oh, I just missed that eight footer. But over the course of the round, you would hope to sink close to half your eight footers, but you just can't beat yourself up over one missed putt. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's counterproductive because, first of all, it's not true. You're not losing a full stroke. And as you said, you don't want that to impact the next shot. Why, why should uh, uh, you have uh, one, one miss putt then, then lead to throwing away more strokes after that? That doesn't make sense. Hard, easier said than done, of course. Of
0: course. And, and now I can see that you know, that it's my approach shots where I probably lose more strokes than anything.
1: And that's true for uh for everybody it's mm-hmm. um high handicappers low handicappers and and p g a tour pros and I think one of the uh reasons it's so hard to put your finger on that is that proximity to the hole is is measured in in feet and if you could put your average approach shot three feet closer, it just doesn't sound like much if your proximity is thirty feet and you improve it to 27 feet you say so what I was going to two putt from 30 feet I'll two putt from 27 feet it just doesn't sound like it's that big a deal and that's just the wrong way to think about it Um, and what I found in in crunching the numbers is that it's the shots that are in the rough just off the green that three feet closer they're now on the green that matters Hmm. The 10-footers that become 7-footers matter. The 5-footers that become 2-footers, they all matter. And so if you put your shots, on average, 3 feet closer to the hole, you pick up a lot of strokes um, on on the field or on your competitors or just on your, your own score. So uh, approach shots are really, really important. And so, the, you know, the long-term plan is uh, uh, make – you know, for amateurs, if you can get better in the 100 to 150 yard range, that's the that's the area that's most correlated with uh, with amateur scores.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what a, I'm, I'm putting um, so much of it, you know, it, it is important. It isn't important, but so many shots, it's so obvious that we're missing so many uh, losing so many shots there because you're in this confined area. Um, and you're not making a lot of progress. Um, do most amateurs uh, versus pros uh, come, sh- come up short of the hole in their putting, and does that have a significant impact?
1: Oh, abs- absolutely. So I think one of the um, easiest ways for amateurs to improve is to focus more on the distance to the hole rather than the break. And I'm not saying you shouldn't think about the break. What I'm saying is that not all 20-footers are created equal. And even if you're pacing off your putts and you say, I have a 20-foot putt, you still want to look at, well, is it 20-foot and steeply uphill, or is it 20 feet and slightly downhill? That matters a huge amount in how hard you need to, to stroke the putt. And what you'll see between the best PGA tour putters and average PGA tour putters is the the better putters are uh slightly more aggressive and of course mm. they have better distance control and anybody can take a ten footer and make sure that they get it to the hole, but the key is not ramming them eight feet by. So you want to get it to the hole but not but not too far by. So distance control on on putting is one of the easiest ways that that amateurs, I think, can, can lower their score. But it's not just um, pacing off your putts. It's also being very aware of how steep the green is.
0: Yeah, th- there was something here that kind of blew my mind wh- when I saw, um, and it maybe, maybe it's an error in the printing or something, but it talked about downhill putts, the steeper the green, the farther the target should be beyond the hole
1: yeah that's absolutely right, and I think really,
0: um, because I would think if it's a downhill putt, you want to like aim so it comes up a little short so you can let the hill let gravity take over so
1: that's um very surprising, and I think um, i can I can explain the intuition behind it, which is on on downhill putts it's harder to control the distance, so I talk about shot patterns in the book and just like you have shot patterns on your tee shots, your putts, you can imagine a shot pattern for your putts. And so since downhill putts are tougher than uphill putts, the shot pattern is bigger, okay, for a downhill putt than an equivalent distance uphill putt. So if your shot pattern is bigger, that means to get it to the hole, you've gotta be a little bit more aggressive. You've gotta set the target a little bit further beyond the hole in order to make sure you don't come up short. Another way to think about it, which maybe is even easier, if you have a 10-foot uphill putt, you can be pretty firm with it and it's not going to roll too far by. But on a 10-foot downhill putt, to make sure that you get that putt to the hole, you've got to be comfortable in letting it go two, two and a half feet by. uh, Again, in order to give it a chance to go in the hole, and it's much more important on 10-footers to give it a chance to go in the hole than to to lag it to the hole to make sure you don't three-putt. So, you know, from a 10-foot range, you ought to be thinking, how can I make this putt, not how can I avoid a three-putt?
0: Oh, absolutely. But aiming past the hole, meaning if I'm aiming past the hole, and maybe I'm unique in this, but if I'm aiming past the hole, I'm going to hit it harder than if I was aiming at the hole.
1: Well, you want that. If you're aiming at the hole, you'd leave 50% of your putt short, and that would be a disaster mm-hmm. on 10 But I'm footers. talking about so downhill.
0: Asked... I'm talking about downhill. You Even know, taking... downhill,
1: huh. right? If you aim at the hole, you don't want to leave 50% of them short. So I actually don't think about it in terms of how far beyond the hole I'm aiming. I think about it as if I have a 10-foot downhill putt, I want to hit this hard enough so at least 9 out of 10 get to the hole. I don't want to leave any more than 10% of those putts short. So I want to be, I don't think if, you know, is my target one, two, three feet beyond the hole. I think of, I want to get nine out of 10 of these putts to the hole. And how hard do I have to hit it to make sure that's the case? And what you'll find with many amateurs and, you know, worse putters more so than than good putters is they can leave um, 30, 40% of their 10 footers short. And that's really giving up strokes.
0: Yeah and you're familiar with aimpoint? I am. Uh yeah, um and we we did a couple episodes uh, on aimpoint with uh with Mark Sweeney um last year. Uh is is that what you use? Is that accurate?
1: So it... I I don't use aimpoint, but I know I know what it's about and I uh I know how they come up with the the aim point charts, and I have my own system where I can kind of replicate their uh, their results. What I what I really like about the aim point uh, way of thinking is that um, it focuses on how much putts break depending on where the putt starts relative to the fall line. So clearly, if you have a straight downhill or straight uphill putt, there's there's no break side hill putts break a lot, but downhill side hill putts break a lot more than uphill sidehill putts. And so if you imagine where your putt starts relative to a clock face or relative to the fall line, it really helps you with what line should you, should you start this putt on. So I think it's uh, uh, really critical for, for golfers not to think in terms of just how much does this break but where's the fall line, and where's my putt starting relative to the, to the fall line? Because that will ultimately tell you how much break you need to play.
0: Another version, vector putting, um, putting those angles. And... Well, ve-
1: vector vector putting is is uh, is is basically uh, identical to aim point. There, it's it's uh, it's the same, and they have the same charts, and they use yeah. the same. Uh, it's actually the same number. So vector putting is, is actually no, no different than aim point.
0: But one of the things that I I noticed in your book that blew my mind is that if you're, you know, I, I generally look for the apex people go, Oh, just, you know, one cup outside. And I'm like, no, I don't look at the cup. I'm looking at where the break would be and then where it's going to make the turn. But your, um, stats are saying that you got to aim above the, the apex there, or it's going to fall below the hole.
1: Yeah, that's um, blew me away. Ap- absolutely true. And you look at the data, and uh, this is not new to this book. It's 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 been around for a while, and it, and it hasn't changed. Uh, amateur golfers miss way more than fifty percent of their putts on the low side of the hole. So um, the question is, why is that? So there's several possible explanations, but one is, if you aim at the apex, you will miss low. And why why is that? Because the The apex is where, you know, it's the furthest point or the highest point on this curved path toward the hole. But that usually happens in the somewhere near the middle of the putt. In order to get the putt to go into the hole, you've got to start it higher because gravity will immediately start pulling the putt down. It will immediately start breaking. So to hit the, if your target is the apex, to hit the apex, you've got to start it higher than the apex because That first half of the putt, it's going to be uh, breaking before it gets there. It's not like this putt goes straight and then it takes a a left turn at the apex. It doesn't do that. It breaks from the instant that you hit it. And that's the physics of it. And that implies that you've got to start the putt higher than the apex in order uh, to hit the line that you're visualizing into the hole.
0: That's what made Paula Kramer's 75-footer so amazing, because the amount of break that that thing had was just remarkable.
1: And and it had some speed going into the hole. If, if oh, the yeah. Hole had, I mean, she just barely got it to there, the top of the
0: hill there, and then you saw it turn and just take off.
1: If if the hole hadn't been there, that would have been 10 feet by, and there's probably nothing she could have done about it. But But that's also an example where, you don't want to lag that one up to the hole. She gave it a chance to go in, and sure enough, it uh, it was really an exciting uh, a, an exciting end to that tournament.
0: Amazing! It was so amazing. Um, let's talk about uh, uh, you know strategy and um, how we can be a, a more strategic in our game by using this information.
1: So, so one, we we already talked about strategy in in putting in terms of how conservative or aggressive you want to be and it turns out that amateur golfers tend to be too conservative in their in their putting but when you move off the green it's generally the opposite that amateurs tend to be too aggressive in their in their shot selection and by that i mean that they don't uh they don't pay enough heed to the to the hazards that are out there you've got to give the hazards uh uh plenty of respect and, and most amateurs don't
0: give me an example
1: so the example that I have in, in the book, and there, there's other examples, but the example I have in the book is where you have out-of-bounds on one side of a hole, and the other side is just rough or not as, as much of a penalty. And so, you know, if you hit the ball out-of-bounds, um, your strokes gained is minus two, right, because you're going to tee it up hitting three from the same spot. So you basically have used two shots, and you haven't made any progress to the hole. So out of bounds, you will lose two shots. That's a huge penalty. If you hit it in the rough, you have somewhere between a tenth and a quarter of a shot penalty for hitting the ball in the rough rather than the fairway. So you're trading off a huge penalty for going out of bounds with a small penalty for hitting in the rough. What does that tell you you should do? Which is you should shade the tee shot, your target, toward the rough and away from this, this huge hazard, which is out of bounds. And most golfers realize that intuitively, but they don't take it into account nearly enough. And they hit way more balls out of bounds than they should. Mm. So even with the same swing, I don't have to change anything about your swing. You don't have to go to a pro for a lesson. If you just take a more conservative, conservative line off the tee when there's these uh, hazards in play, you can shave a lot of strokes off your, off your score.
0: And when can we be aggressive off the tee versus being more conservative?
1: Well, if you're, if you're too conservative, so I've heard this strategy of, you know, it's a long par four. Let's, instead of hitting a driver, let's take a five iron. Then you hit another five iron, then you'll be 100 yards away, and then take a wedge from there, and you're going to do it worse to bogey. So that's an example of being way too conservative, because you can look at the data and do the analysis, and you find out that on a long pour four, if you give up that many yards with a five iron, you'll be losing a ton of strokes. It's just not worth giving up 50, 60 yards by hitting a uh, an iron instead of a driver, and amateurs are often aren't that much more accurate with the shorter clubs than they are with, uh, with the longer clubs. So, you know, the expression goes, it's it's better to be long and crooked than short and crooked. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so here's something that I do strategically, and maybe you can clarify if I'm doing this the right way or if there's a better way to do it. Let's say, um, so on a par five, what I try to do, it, you know— on a par four, I'm just going to drive the ball either with my driver, or my my three wood. But uh, on a par five, what I'm going to try to do is get my second shot into a space where I'm the most comfortable, which is probably either a hundred or 125 yards. Okay, or 90 yep. or 125 yards. So let's say, so let's say 125 yards is my nine iron. Okay. Yep. So, so to me, it's like that's the club I'm most confident with. That's the club that I'm the most comfortable and feel that I can. You know, give myself a great opportunity to get close to the pin. Mm-hmm. So if my drive leaves me 250 out and my playing partner, his ball lands right next to me, my playing partner will take his three wood and hit it at as hard and far as he can and lay, and comes up 30 yards short. Okay. And um, he's not that good at 30 yards in. So he'll get from 30 yards and then he'll take... Two more shots to get onto the green, and then he may have to do... You know, We'll just say he gets two putts, so he bogeys the hole. Where, for me, at 250, I'll take my nine iron and hit it twice. Because I know I cannot reach the green at 250 yards away. So I'll I'll hit 125 yards, and if all goes well, I'll take out the range finder and say, Oh, perfect, I'm 125 yards to the pin. And then I hit that third shot, and I'm within... Let's let's call it the, the ten foot range. And I'm a very happy guy and hopefully I can get that birdie. Is yep. that statistically is that the way to, to approach that?
1: So if you are this anomalous golfer that is better from 120 yards than thirty yards, you should follow your strategy. What I found in looking at amateur data is there are very few golfers that are better from 100 or 120 yards than they are from 30. Almost everybody would be better off hitting the ball closer. I didn't say everybody, I said almost everybody. So if you have the chip yips, if you hit a 30 yard shot fat one time and you scull it over the green the next time, then that tells me two things. One is, yeah, you don't want to hit to uh, 30 yards. You want to lay back to a, where you've got a full swing or you've got a comfortable swing. And the second thing it tells me is you ought to get a lesson because you should be much better from 30 yards than 100 or 120 yards. Every tour pro is better from 30 yards than 100 and 120 yards. Almost every amateur that I look at is better from 30 yards than they are from 100 to 120 yards. The data is crystal clear when you you talk about averages, if you talk about, most ninety golfers or most eighty golfers but there there are exceptions and um, if you're if you're the exception then that that points out that you're losing a ton of strokes by not improving your short game and you gotta go take a lesson and and work on it and get better because that would be an easy way for you to drop strokes off your score
0: but as an amateur who doesn't get a tremendous uh, amount of time to practice I find that taking full strokes, um, I have more confidence with my full strokes than I do taking you know, short strokes, as a 30-yard shot would be, versus pulling out a wedge from 65 yards.
1: So let's change your example slightly, and let's sure. make it a par four. And you hit a drive, and you hit your second shot, and you come up 30 yards short in the fairway, and I give you this free option. You can pick up the ball, walk. Sixty yards back, and now you have a ninety or a hundred yard shot from the fairway. Would you do that if I allowed you to do that for free? Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> then. <laughs> I think I, I yeah I actually I actually no I've been working a lot on my short game lately, but I think that um yeah I think that I, I like gee, thank you I, I, I think I would do that.
1: Okay, well, you, again, you are not a typical amateur golfer because... <laughs> uh,
0: no, I'm not. I, I don't think I am.
1: So if if you take a look at uh, how often golfers hit the green, amateur golfers hit the green from 100 yards or so, it's typically much less than... Um, Uh, 50% say. Hmm. Whereas from 30 yards, it's a lot more than, than 50%. And I think, you know, many people have in their mind, oh, I'm 100 yards away, it's just a wedge or a nine iron, I'll put it on the green nine out of 10 times. Amateur golfers from 100 yards, put the ball on the green less than half the time. And so you're also gotta tell me that from thirty yards they must put the ball on the green less than half the time also, otherwise it's not it's not worth it or it would be worth it to to walk the uh uh to walk back, you know, pick up your ball and walk walk backwards. And I just don't see that in in the data. Hmm. Thirty yards is a little chip shot. You can you can if there's no bunker in between, you can take out a putter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good. All right, and, let's call uh, it forty yards then. Thirty yards maybe not be the right example, but I can't. I can remember so many times going, "Oh my god!" It took me two shots to get, um you know, uh, four hundred and fifty yards, and it took me four shots to get the next forty. You know,
1: that's right. So if again, if that's the case, one of the things that this stroke gain analysis would show is that you're incredibly weak and you're throwing away strokes from 40 yards. You better go practice that, that area of your game because it shouldn't be that hard. It's not that hard of a shot. And for most people, even most amateurs, <laughs> it's not that hard of a shot, meaning it's not harder from 40 yards than it is from uh, 100 yards. So, again, I, I, I know people that um, are like that, but they're, they're in the minority, um, and like I said, that's that's the. If if that's true of you, then it's an easy place to uh, uh, to uh, to focus on to
0: what I need to practice.
1: Yeah, to to improve your game. Yeah, yeah, to lower your score.
0: You weren't really laughing at me, were you, Mark? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Okay. Um, I, I'm curious. Well, listen, <laughs>
1: maybe that's not the right way to say it. It's <laughs> it's it's then obvious that that's where you should work on. Right. 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 That that's probably a better way to say it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I, I and mean, this is and to me that's the point of this book is to figure out what do I need to work on to drop those ten strokes. Where where are those ten strokes going? Are they where are they coming from? Exactly. And it's uh and and statistically, is it mostly approach shots?
1: It's mostly shots outside of a hundred yards right. from the hole. And if you want to break that down even more, it's mostly the approach shots. Mm. So Full swing iron shots, uh, for, for most people, or if you're a short hitter, sometimes a 150 yard shot is a hybrid or a seven wood or, or a five wood. And, um, uh, those, you know, getting the more of those balls on the green, getting those balls that are on the green a little bit closer to the hole is where you can, uh, you can save a lot of shots.
0: I think the thing that when, when, you know, when I talked about someone were 250 yards out and they're just going to hit it as hard and far as they can, um, I don't think that they necessarily take into account all the trouble that they could get into, you know, how aggressive they should be. Do I really need to hit the ball as far as I can here because um, I'm I'm opening the door for problems?
1: Yeah, well, you want to hit the ball as far as you can, taking into account the hazards. So you don't want to hit the ball— uh you know 300 yards if that's where the fairway gets the narrowest that brings fairway bunkers into play or that brings water out of bounds into play for sure so it's not just you know bomb and gouge or grip it and rip it you've got to pay attention to to the hazards and you know going back again to the uh you know the 40 yard fat shot that uh you know one of the things that I I recommend amateurs do is take a look at their awful shots. So in a round, you'll have one of those where you hit it fat, you skull it, uh, you know, the ball goes nowhere, or you miss a two-footer. You can identify those shots that really lose a lot to to your score, and then see whether that's better or worse than the average golfer for, for your handicap level, for your average score. And then identify those areas where you need to improve. And, and, and many golfers, if they got out of a bunker in one shot, if when they're in the hay or in the woods, they get out of trouble in one shot rather than trying to pull off the miraculous rescue and then hitting it out of bounds, you know, falling up a bad shot with a worse shot, reducing the number of awful shots is another kind of uh, uh, easy way to, to shave strokes off your game or at least give you an idea of what you need to practice.
0: One of my all-time favorite lines that I continue to tell myself, never follow a bad shot with a stupid shot.
1: I like that. That's great. <laughs> I thought you were going to say bad shot with a bad shot, but that's, that's very good. Never follow a bad shot with a stupid shot is great advice.
0: Put it in the book. Um, <laughs> and talk about Golf Smarter. Don't care about me. <laughs> um, talk <Bourbon> about <laughs> ingredients. To making your decision, things, the factors. What are the main things, statistically speaking? What are the main things we should be thinking about when we're trying to decide which club to hit?
1: So, um, which club to hit? The first thing is you want to know your club distances, and critical. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely critical. And if you, uh, that also means when you're sixty yards away, what is my. 60 yard swing if it's not a full swing um what is my 40 yard swing if it's not a full swing and it's also you know not only your club distances but it's your carry distance so depending on where you play if you get a lot of roll or not then a 200 yard shot may be 190 yards of carry or it may be 170 yards of carry you know one with 10 yards a roll, the other with 30 yards a roll. And if you have a hazard to clear and it's 200 yards away, a lot of amateurs will say, oh, I'll take out my 210 club. But that may not be right because you need to keep track of not only your club distances, but what are your carry distances.
0: Mm. And plus, they think they have a 210 club and it really is 185.
1: Yeah, there's so many people that, you know, how far did I hit that drive? It must have been 250, 260. And when you look at it and you know plot it, it's you know 210. Right. And so uh, many people hit the ball uh, shorter than than they think they do for for a number of reasons. So knowing your club distances is certainly a, a good place to start. But when it's a question of strategy, I think of um, you know the main ingredients are what does your shot pattern look like? By that I mean not how well does my best shot go? But if I hit 10 or 20 or 50 shots, what would that distribution of shots look like if I plotted it on this particular hole? And you need to think about your target as moving around your shot pattern. And so one ingredient is what's your shot pattern? What is your likely miss going to be? The other ingredient is what are the features of the hole and where are the hazards? You know, how wide is the fairway? Where are the bunkers? Where's the water? Where's the out of bounds? And you want to put those two ingredients together, your shot pattern with the features of the hole in order to decide how aggressive or how conservative you should be. And clearly if it's a long par four and it's wide open, you can grip it and rip it. But on other holes, you need to be more, more conservative to make sure you don't have one of those awful shots that go out of bounds.
0: I'm sure that you're you've been witness to this you've a thousand times because we all have and I'm curious to what your reaction to it is maybe not verbally to yourself but you may say something when you walk up to a tee box and your partner says, "Oh, I hit it in the water here every time." <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, when 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 that happens, you got to say you got to step back and and say, "Well, what can I do differently to to avoid that? And
0: and they pull out the same club that they always use. And then they right. Sh- there, really? There's
1: there's there's another manifestation of that, and that's one of the you know the fun things that I've gotten to do playing with uh, some club pros and some PGA tour pros, and you can see them from 150 yards, and sometimes they'll hit a club that's two or three clubs different than they did on the last shot from 150 yards whereas most of the my friends that i play with 150 yards is a seven iron it could be downhill it could be uphill it could be downwind into the wind (laughs) and they might change (laughs) from a seven iron maybe to a six or maybe to an eight but they wouldn't think about changing more than that and the good players know how to adjust you know more and they 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 typically take all those factors into account and they're willing to move, you know, one, two or three clubs away from their normal club from that distance.
0: Yeah, I, I played band dunes last year and, and luckily we had caddies because there were shots where it was a four club win right in our face. So, you know, it's like, uh, usually I'd hit a nine iron here, pull out your, you know, your three wood. <laughs> and you may right. reach it.
1: <laughs> and if you didn't have that county there, you'd say, ah, nine iron, there's a lot of wind in my face. Maybe you'd go to a seven, right? Yeah. Maybe.
0: <laughs> right. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's now, uphill. <laughs> and it's uphill, right? <laughs> um what is what is the um this to me is interesting because I live next to a country club that I'm not a member of. And I like playing different courses a lot Mm -hmm. um but country club players i think that their handicap may be not representative of their game because they get so comfortable with this course so confident they just know what to do but if you take them out to another course that they're not familiar with their game changes
1: oh absolutely i think it takes uh, you know at least two rounds and maybe more in order to to learn a course. And uh, one of the fun things I've I've gotten to do is go out with PGA Tour pros on the uh, you know the Monday or Tuesday of a tournament where they're preparing for the tournament and they and their caddies will map out the course, see what's changed from the last year. And they really develop a strategy to attack the course, whereas I remember it, uh, you know, playing at Band and Dunes, you know, with with the caddy. And I didn't know where to hit it or what club to hit. And he goes, ah, you know, just aim there, which. So I did. And, you know, I took out, you know, he saw I had a driver in my hand and I hit it exactly where he said. And it went into the trees because. He looked at me and said, oh, he's not going to hit the ball more than 230 yards. And I hit it 250 yards into the trees. And I was so mad because I hit a perfect shot. <laughs> and now I'm in the woods. <laughs> um, but And that that's a case of just not knowing the course. Mm-hmm. And that can really add up two, three, four shots easily. So having a yardage book, mapping out the course, um, Pros do it because it's their livelihood. If you're just playing another course for fun, um, that's why. When I go to a place like of Dunes, I would much rather play the same course five times than to play five different courses.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, I sometimes I find it to be an advantage of, you know, just tell me my target line here. I've never played this course. Just tell me which direction, you know, and and you know, if I if I don't want to go all the way, I don't want to be too aggressive that i don't have these preconceived notions of what has happened in the past, so I can just relax a little more
1: oh absolutely I think uh, that's that's the goal, which is you you approach each shot with what's my target, what do I need to do, and you just get up and that's your entire focus is hitting the shot you know in that in that direction with uh, with that club um, and having having a good caddy, uh, which you can get at a lot of courses is, is really helpful when you're playing, you know, a new course that you're not through, you're not familiar with.
0: Well, Mark, this has been, uh, a graduate level education. I truly appreciate I, your time. <laughs> um, the book, the book this is Mark Brody. It's B R O A D I E. The website is everyshotcounts.com. Just to give you a little more about the book. And uh, the book, Every Shot Counts, Using the Revolutionary Strokes Gained Approach to Improve Your Golf Performance and Strategy. It's available in our Golfer's Mart. And it is an important book to have in your library because it's going to change the way you think about your game. And it's a necessary change in your thought process because they're doing it on the tour, too. And if we if we buy balls that they play on the tour, if we buy equipment we play they play on the tour— then you should be thinking like tour players. Do you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely agree. That, uh, as I mentioned, the PGA Tour players not only hit better shots, but they, but they think better. And I hope that, uh, that this book gives you a little bit of a clue or insight into, into how they think. And uh, it's, it's meant for the average golfer. It's not meant for the graduate student of golf. So I think anybody can, uh, can read this and, and get a little bit of value and hopefully a little bit of fun and a couple of good stories out of it.
0: If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please click on the Hey Fred button at GolfSmarter.com. SmarterPodcasts.com. Delivering sound advice.